Hi, welcome to BA Brew. I'm Jonathan. I'm Nicole. I'm Simon. And I'm Mike. Yay, we did it, guys. Right. Um, today, we're going to talk about neurodiversity. Um, we're really excited to talk about this subject. And if I'm honest, a little bit apprehensive and nervous as well. It's quite a challenging subject um, that I'm, I'm hopeful that we can shed some light on. Um, Simon, could you tell us what motivated you to contact us to suggest this as a subject for the group? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a couple of couple of reasons, really. Um, first and foremost, it's it's a topic I care about and am very passionate about um, for, for two main reasons. Uh, for, for a bit of context background, I, I have two, two young children. I have a uh, soon-to-be 11-year-old boy, um, and I have a, a five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And, and my, 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 my son is uh, neurotypical, and my daughter uh, is autistic which is a, a, a neurodiverse uh, condition. So um, that is not something I could have said out loud two or three years ago, but it's been a, a learning curve. Um, <clears throat> we're in a good place now. So it's something I'm very passionate about. And the reason I can talk to it with a degree of confidence um, is almost to kind of pay it forward. There, there, there were people that went before me um, that have sort of told their stories and shared their experiences that have helped me, whether they whether they realize it or not, kind of help me understand what autism is, what it isn't, um, and sort of set me on that sort of path, really. So I guess from a position of strength, I, I maybe didn't have two or three years ago, I, I want to be a part of that conversation to, to, to keep the conversation going. And then what I found is, I'm, I'm sure we can unpack this is, if, if we want to, is um, what I found is during my daughter's sort of journey to that autism diagnosis, um, you meet with lots of professionals, lots of clinicians, et cetera, and you talk about family histories. Um, and it, it didn't come as a surprise that during that process, um, you know, I was told that I, I had pretty much all bar one of the um, diagnostic indicators for ADHD, which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So, so yes, yeah, so a kind of long way of saying it's a topic I'm very passionate about, care very much about, and I want to be a part of that conversation now um, to help, um, yeah, to help, help, help shine a light on it. So I, say, I think it's incredibly brave um, of you to suggest it as a subject and to be here now talking about it. And uh, while you're talking about other professionals paying it forward and other people paying it forward, hopefully today can help you pay it forward for others that maybe are sat there listening, that people that are interested in neurodiversity um, and things like autism spectrum disorder and ADHD and, and others. Um, it's um, it's an interesting one. Could could we try and, um, just for the, the listener, the, the viewer, what what is neurodiversity? Are we able to kind of get a view of what, what is neurodiversity? What do we mean if we use that word? Yes, it's a really good question in terms of kind of framing what it, what it is and isn't. Um, it's almost one of those, if we went to Google, what is neurodiversity, we'll get thousands, possibly tens of thousands of results and, and different variations on it, which, which, which is fine. The one that I've kind of come to be comfortable using is, is essentially <clears throat> neurodiversity is, is an umbrella, a broad term for kind of describing the sort of diversity of the human brain. Mm -hmm. So the almost sort of infinite variations in that sort of neurocognitive function that we have as a, as a species. Yeah. Um, and neurotypical is a way of saying this is where the sort of, I guess, the vast percentage of the population will, will be in terms of 
how the that sort of neurocognitive function operates. Neurodiversity is that sort of, um, for better lack of a word, that deviation from that neurotypical mindset. And how that might present are in some very sort of specific neurodiverse conditions. So the most common ones, and, and by no means exhaustive, but the most common ones are autism. So autism is a, a lifelong development disability. Uh, ADHD, so attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Uh, you have dyslexia, which relates to the, um, the skills required for um, writing and spelling um, and can also impact how the brain processes information. Uh, you have things like dyspraxia, which relate to movement and balance and eye-to-hand coordination. Um, and then the one that I always do a terrible job of pronouncing, uh, so I apologize in, in advance, but um, diaculia, which relates to uh, numbers. So being able to understand, interpret uh, the application of numbers, which then impairs sort of mathematical um, uh, has mathematical connotations, etc. Yeah. So, so yeah, neurodiverse neurodiverse is that kind of broad umbrella term for that that real diversity in the human brain, yeah. and you have these very specific um, sort of neurodiverse conditions such as autism, ADHD, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and, and I think I brilliant that you've been able to to share share that with us. And one of the things that goes on in my mind when I talk about this subject is is the language. I'm very wary of using the wrong terms and trying to I, I guess not offend and, and one of the things I'm quite quite aware of at the moment is that the terms that we might use today on today's pod might change in terms of the acceptance of those terms so the term neurotypical for example which we're, we're using is okay today but in three years time three years after this recording that word might not be acceptable, for example, or there might be a different set of language. And I think this is this is a real problem because what it means is that we don't talk about neurodiversity because we're afraid to talk about it, even though we might be interested in it and we might want to help each other and our colleagues. I think there's a real barrier. Um, Mike, have you have you experienced this where there's a you want to talk about it but you're not quite sure what words to use and, and to say yeah and definitely it, it is it is challenging because um as as simon was saying it's it's a spectrum disorder there's a mixture of things it's not like uh, it's not like a, another condition like we say chicken pox you can recognize somebody has got chicken pox because they've got characteristic spots on their body and neurodiversity um, and, and i don't want to equate that to chicken pox but it's really difficult to diagnose so if you look at um some of the the, the diagnostic tools they have there's quite a lot of things that you have to go through so it's not a straightforward thing um to diagnose and the, and there's a very um there's a very poor understanding i think around uh, some of those conditions i i mean i've had experience and um proximity to uh, dyslexia and, and adhd and I, I kind of have a feeling i'm i've got some of the i don't know whether i would be diagnosed as having adhd but i've certainly tick a number of the boxes on the the attention deficit side side of that, that equation um, but yeah, certainly the language, it's um, things, trying to um, talk about it without labelling the person. So, so having the label for the condition, I think, is, is, can be helpful because it can help people understand what they are and, and what they're experiencing. Uh, but that label itself, so if, if um, I, I think some people would describe somebody as, as being dyslexic and they're not, they're not um, 
they're not being dyslexic. It's not a label of them. It's a condition. So they should, they have dyslexia or they have autism. So it is, it's a characteristic. It's one of a number of things that they have rather than that full label. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, my thoughts around that. So, so it's rather than saying, say, um, Alex is dyslexic, is the language that's more appropriate to say, well, Alex has dyslexia or, and, 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 it, and is, is the intent that it's the individual. So it's always Alex, if, it, if that's our persona that we, we were considering, they're a full functioning human being with many different wants, needs, <clears throat> hopes, fears, and, and the loads of interesting characteristics. And they've got this one other characteristic that's dyslexia. Is that is that is that acceptable, Simon? Or have I got that wrong? Is it am I misinterpreting kind of why? No, it's, it's really interesting because it is it's brought to mind the similar challenges I had. So when I thought about how I describe my daughter, do I say she is autistic or she has autism? And so it's a really and I think that's the value of these conversations. To, to uh, There isn't necessarily a right or wrong, in my opinion. Um, I think sometimes it is the... the my, my daughter is my daughter. You know, yeah. her name is Maya. Maya is Maya. Yeah. She's, she's not, you know, she's not defined by her, her autism, by that label, as Mike said. She she is her own unique, wonderful human being that, that has, um, you know, certain learning difficulties, et cetera. So... Um, it is difficult. There is no right and wrong, but I think that's the value in sort of these conversations, right? To, yeah. Nicole, um, this this is a subject, uh, and I, I don't know, but have you found yourself stopping yourself talking about it because you're worried about saying the wrong thing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't want to, as Mike said, label it. We don't want to use language that's offensive and non-inclusive that is disrespectful or judgmental and we I think we're also really mindful of assuming we know what's best for the person rather than because yeah. everyone's different and everyone needs different um you know ways in which we can help them so I think it's always really hard for when we for assist when you know we're delivering courses or friendships and things like that thinking that we know best rather than opening up the conversation saying how can we support you yeah. And I think that can then be our barrier to sort of just think, oh, we just ignore it. Or if we just try and not approach it, then it will just sort of sort itself out or it will go away. I really like what, what you just said there, Nicole. That um, one of the problems with labels is once you see that label, you think you know how to deal with that label. Um, and actually, the, 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 this is a spectrum condition and it, it's um, you, the best way to find out how to help that person is to ask that person not assume that they they're the same as everybody else who's neurodiverse but there's no such thing as a, a typical neurodiverse person mm. Mm. i think another problem we have is encouraging people in feeling that they can share with us so we've had a few people um well especially on the apprenticeship program who haven't felt confident enough to share with us that they you know are dyslexic or have dyslexia or need further support so Simon do you have any sort of suggestions on how we can perhaps make start the conversation or encourage people to feel that you know it's not something that they should be afraid to share or afraid to share sorry yeah so I think 
the one key word that comes to mind is trust. Um, it's about the individual. And again, so if I talk from my own experience, it's about being in a position where I feel comfortable enough to share that. So it's more about the environment around the individual because it needs to be on the individual's terms. Like I said, I, I probably knew that I had HDHD for, I mean, looking back, I've had it since childhood. Well, it's, it's lifelong, but, um, you know, the, that would have manifested itself as a child, but as an adult, I became aware of it. It's always been there, but bearing in mind, I've probably carried that with me for 20 plus years. It's really only in the last couple of years that I've even let people into that ever so slightly. And that's because I've become a bit more understanding of it in terms of myself. And then I've, I've been in environments where I felt like, okay, I'm comfortable now talking about this. Um, because in the past, I would have been terrified about talking about ADHD. I'd have worried about my job and is, is somebody going to look at this as, as, as a negative, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there is that element of creating a, a safe environment, but also it's, it's about the individual. It has to be the individual that wants to feel like they want to, to talk openly about it. Um, so for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's having a, a safe environment for that individual to, to feel like they can talk about it and share it and, and let people into their to their world mm. it's interesting because just as you're talking there thinking about psychological safety in the workplace and um, and for me that's a benefit for everyone um inclusivity of all of our differences as human beings we're all unique and we should be able to bring our whole self to work and not hide a particular aspect of our characteristics our personality our who we are i suppose but um Unfortunately, there's lots of workplaces where there is a lack of trust and a lack of psychological safety. And if that's the case, then, and, and you are, you know, sat there thinking, well, I might be somewhere in this neurodiverse spectrum. Um, I'm, I'm fearful that I've, I'm, for example, exhibiting, uh, I don't know, um, behaviors that might be aligned with ADHD, for example, and, and you're in a workplace where you're not feeling safe. That's, that's just, I can imagine just exceptionally stressful and not, not very pleasant at all for that person. And it might be for, it might be, you don't want to tell your colleagues that you're dyslexic or that, that you, you've, you've got a different, um, you know, characteristic. It's kind of, it's really tough, um, for individuals. Have, have you experienced that at all, Simon? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I have. I, I, you know, look, I'm on a podcast now talking openly about having ADHD, and 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 like I said, there are there are elements of that, that I believe are a strength. There, like you said, we're all unique anyway, but there are elements of the ADHD that, especially things like um, hyperactivity, especially things like impulsivity, that I now embrace. They are a strength, and and they're a characteristic of me as an individual, and 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 so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, there, there have definitely been times early in my career where I wouldn't have been comfortable sharing that because I, I, my, my mindset would have been people are going to focus on the negatives. Like I do have difficulty concentrating and focusing on certain tasks if I'm not sufficiently motivated, but that doesn't mean I, I, I can't do them. You know, if, you know, if, if I get a 40 page word document to peer review, I don't have a hope of doing that at my desk. You know, my 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 attention is going to be all over the place. Yeah. 
I have mechanisms to deal with that. I will print it off. I will go sit outside. I will break it into piecemeal. I can still do the task. My approach is just yeah. different. And, and in the past, I might have felt like the need to mask that, so to so hide that from, from people if there wasn't that safe uh, environment. Um, but I think it is, you know, where people feel comfortable, um, you know, sharing an insight into that neurodiversity can be quite powerful. And, um, and just to give one real, real quick example, a, a colleague uh, at work is dyslexic, and he's been running some wonderful internal workshops talking about what dyslexia is and 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 I thought I had a, a baseline understanding of dyslexia before I went into that workshop but to actually hear it from somebody with dyslexia the different types of dyslexia um, the challenges that it creates but then also solutions overcome it is incredibly insightful it, it just gave me a much richer understanding of, of what in this example dyslexia is and what it isn't um, you know so um, so yeah yeah that um, 40 page document that you've got a peer review, I, I think going outside and breaking into chunks and giving yourself a reward when you get to the end of page one, I don't know, be it, be it uh, I don't know, a lint chocolate or a smarty or whatever is your, you know, the gamifying the yes. arduous experience of going through the 40 pages might be useful for all of us. And it, you know, it, it's not it, those sorts of things, just making the workplace a little bit more fun and interesting and engaging. Um, might be useful for <laughs> um, Mike. How do you get through the forty-page documents? What do you when when Simon was saying that, I thought, yeah, that sounds like me. I, I can't I can't read forty pages of something on a screen and then put the notes on the screen. I have to print it off as well and and go in go in the garden where you think there'd be more distractions. But um, I don't know. There's something about this uh, environment with emails popping up and messages coming up on Teams that. Uh, I have to go and look at them. If if it's something that's flashed, I've got to think what 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 was that that's flashed up on my screen and need to do it. And and actually, just I don't know. Um, the printed word is is it just a little bit easier, and it's not good for the planet. And I've tried to use my iPad instead, so I'm just looking at PDFs on there, but it's still not quite the same. But yeah, I mean that did uh, that rang some bells for me. And again, I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe I should go for that uh, diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> and, and get my label but as you say uh, there are um often we we can focus on the negatives but there are positives there are definitely positives to things um the and and finding those positives and embracing those positives i think is is a good thing um what um i've heard the term it, you often hear the term disability and i I've, I've heard the term used a few times uh, in in different uh, circumstances but we should think of, of different ability rather than disability because mm. actually some of these conditions give you uh, extra abilities almost superpowers that uh, the the neurotypical person hasn't got so that sometimes your um your your focus sometimes dyslexic uh, dyslexic people have got much better uh, spatial awareness so um and you you see um you can see that in certain people, certain neurodiverse conditions are um, overrepresented in in certain um, certain professions, uh, and I, I think that's kind of quite interesting. And think, well, actually, we should be embracing that diversity because actually, there's lots of things we can gain if we just talk to the same talk to the same people, just talk to people like us. We just learn about our things. We don't uh, we don't expand our horizons. And as a BA, that's something I, I really embrace, the idea of talking to lots of people to get uh, different different um, ideas, different perspectives. It's a great source of creativity, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah. 
to people like yourself all the time you're going to get the same ideas and the same the same ways of thinking um i once worked for a cio that was um they're very senior very powerful person in the organization and they were extremely open about being dyslexic and it was um quite quite inspiring in a way because this was this was a good kind of six seven years ago um and by that very senior leader being open about their their dyslexia um and talking about it, their experience with it i found it quite inspiring and i think that the workplace or some workplaces are changing and um you know these kinds of discussions are coming to the fore more often um and it, it sounds like a great piece of work that your colleagues done um to share their experience in this uh, in in dyslexia and, uh, as well simon um just uh, thinking about that document and and the power of visuals as well um using models pictures to communicate i think can be of massive value for anyone as well and 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 just break it. who wants to read the 40 page document on on requirements or whatever it is it's kind of if we can have some visuals in there um can help make the content more accessible um potentially uh, for everyone um nicole i quite like some of the pictures that you draw uh, to explain things <laughs> i think you're quite good at this yeah and before this session um simon sent an email with an image around explaining the autism spectrum and how it's not linear and how it, i think it's like radial you can have in different sort of segments of the, the pie as it were and straight away that I learned so much more from that one diagram than reading all of these articles on various websites and the NHS and all these papers and things. It just made sense. So I, I really love it when people can kind of break it down, make it simple, nice and visual, and you can yeah. take a lot more away from that sometimes. Yeah. Um, Simon, how are you finding working in the virtual world? Um, is it is it caused extra challenges or? or yeah. Yeah. If I'm honest, it, it has. Um, and it might be worth if you're okay if I just sort of um, sort of unpack a little bit what ADHD is and how it what it means to me. So so ADHD is you know attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and there are kind of three components to that. You've got inattention, um, impulsivity, and hyperactivity. Um, inattention specifically in a virtual world is, is I found is is has been the biggest challenge. So. So, so the best way I had it described to me is you, your brain's got three kind of key systems when it comes to attention. You've got that sort of um, really narrow focus. So if you imagine um, you've got a, a torch beam, you know, and you get out of book, that's your narrow focus, that's your torch beam looking at the, the book. You've then got this kind of alerting system, which is almost like your floodlights. So that's always on. That's always um, a good example is if you're driving down the road, your narrow focus is looking at the cars in front of you, but your alert system, your floodlight is telling you there's, you know, police lights in the, in the rearview mirror. And then you've got this sort of executive function that, that oversees those two, and that acts as your filter, as your moderator. And, and when you've got ADHD, it's not so much a deficit of attention. I think that's a red herring. It's a misnomer. It's more the ability to moderate and regulate your attention. So, so if I use that example of, of the Word document, my narrow focus is going to be all over the place. It doesn't want to look at that Word document. It wants to look at emails or Teams. It wants me to go make a cup of tea, et cetera. So in the office, 
um, certainly pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, I found, um, you know, the ADHD, the ADHD didn't actually uh, hinder me really because um, I just didn't. I, I, I'm not quite quite sure why, but I, I, I didn't find it. But but yeah, in a virtual environment, um, there's this internal restlessness as well. When we talk about hyperactivity, I think people um, naturally see that as an external presentation. Someone being very talkative, very bouncy, jumping around, which which is true. It can manifest in in that way, uh, or present in that way, like it does for my daughter. But for me, it's an internal restlessness. Mm. I constantly want to be on the go. I, I've got this constant, 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 constant need for stimulus. So if you imagine you're sat at a desk and you've got a task to do in the office, you've got distractions, but at home you've got those extractions times five or ten, and and it's a constant battle to try and suppress those. Mm. to go put the washing on, to go answer the door, to go make a cup of tea, to go send a team's message, to look at a phone, to, you know, it's hard. It is very hard. It can be exhausting. And um, sometimes I find even the most trivial task can be the most exhausting, like anything administrative, um, you know, simple things like filling out a timesheet. They're exhausting for me, yeah. Timesheets or expenses, those kind of things that... Yes. I have to do but aren't great a great deal of fun yeah not pleasant um so uh, you you were talking about um how uh, prior to us uh, hitting the record button how to help you have focus on a video conference call you might look away yeah on the camera and you explained how that's actually you concentrating more and it, but it looks to someone else as though you're not paying attention and it's kind of just that little body language and that interpretation of the body language someone's getting it wrong because they're making an assumption yeah. that you're not paying attention and it's you know all of us might do that at times but but it particularly you know being able to talk about this potentially with the people that you're on the video conference call with they can then get insight as to why you're doing looking away um, but it might be that you've actually got, I don't know, I, I, I might have a different screen over there with uh, my favourite, I don't know, sporting event on or something, and, and I'm not paying attention. So it's always trying to be inquiring to find out, I suppose, um, what's going on. Right. Um, let's um, let's see if we can just, just think through any final thoughts. Nicole, any final thoughts or questions that you wanted to talk about with regard to this subject of neurodiversity well i just wanted to ask if there was any top tips on how we could sort of i guess as managers or as fellow colleagues help other colleagues sort of with their roles day to day if it comes to breaking down work or tasks into bite-sized chunks incentives you know putting chocolate bars in every other page of the written report if there's anything that you personally Simon find kind of useful or something someone's done for you you think actually that's really made my life a little bit easier or yeah so it would definitely be driven by the individual so that would be my biggest emphasis it, it'll be driven by the individual and what their needs are so for me for example because if I am set a long-term task that doesn't work very well for me. I, I, I'm, I'm very much in the moment, the immediacy of something. So I'm looking for those near, that constant stimulus and that short-term rewards. Even if it builds up to a long-term goal, it's those short-term rewards, really. So that would be, so for example, if I think about me as an individual, I, that would be the sort of support I would want is 
yes, there is a bigger goal, but can you give me some short, sharp, snappy stuff that I can get my teeth into? Um, but actually that may be completely different for somebody else. You know, we, you know, I may like visuals and, and I, and, and I consume information auditory and, and so on and so forth, but for somebody else, they might like that 40 page work document because it gives them the level of detail that they want. So it is, you know, we, we talk about things like autism as a spectrum condition, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I think whether you're neurodiverse or not, a lot of it comes down to preferences. Like what are the individual's preferences and, and providing, the support that they may want to help you know um help support those preferences really um if that makes makes sense brilliant 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 question Nicole. um mike any final thoughts or questions or things that you wanted to share on this pod yeah um one one of the things that occurred to me i, I smiled a few times as we've gone through because some of the things you've said simon they just chime with me i think oh yeah i do that and yeah i, I do that and so I'm, I'm thinking now I, I perhaps need to go for a bit more of a diagnosis um but we all we we have ourselves as our benchmark and we tend to think i'm uh, we judge ourselves as normal uh, and, and i don't mean to use that in a in, in in any kind of um dismissive way but we we don't know where we sit because we judge ourselves um, and the environment we're in. It's, but we might think that maybe we are a bit neurodiverse and actually maybe asking some questions and um, exploring and finding out from other people we realize actually we've, we've all got some, some um, characteristics there. And by sharing, by sharing and, and talking like that, we, we might, uh, might be able to find things that can help us. So, so I think um, go and talk to people, find out more about um, neurodiversity because you may have a condition yourself it might help explain some of the things that you struggle with i struggle i struggle with um number of things the admin tasks the um the task where it seems like it's got a long a long way off before i need to do it and it's like okay trying to get to that uh deadline because it's not really a deadline at the moment because it's too far off mm. um yeah so I, th I think i've learned quite a few things just from this this chat today simon and i'm really thank you for your contributions and your your honesty and um, frankness and sharing so thank brilliant. you brilliant thank you mike and then simon over to you any kind of final things that you wanted to cover on this pod that we haven't talked about just yet we're we're, we're coming towards the end um no not especially I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it um like i say it's something that i'm very passionate about um i guess to, to echo mike's point there as well is is for me it's about being curious um you know respectfully curious because you know uh, some individuals again some people may be on different journeys and different part of those journeys so it's been respectful of it but where the opportunity presents itself you know be curious you know as, as i spoke i started to open up a little bit more around my experiences of uh, autism and, and adhd i'm happy to talk to colleagues you know if, if people are curious i'm happy to talk about it um and and so on so yeah if 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 the opportunity presents itself, um, you know, then then be curious and and, yeah. and, and go and learn more. And um, like I said at the start, you know, if it helps keep the conversation going and, and pay it forward, then then fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant. I've got a really. I'm not. I'm not sure if I should really share it or not, but I'm going to share. So throughout this pod, I've had a pen in my hand, and I've been fiddling with the pen. And I'm not quite sure why. Is it because this is an important subject and I want us to get this pod right. Is it because I'm nervous or excited? I don't know. But little things like fidget toys, mm -hmm. making it acceptable and available 
to everyone, it could make the difference for someone that they can actually have a fidget toy or or a stress ball or something because that it helps them to think. And I, I don't know, Simon, have, have you seen that overused or misused? I don't know. Because uh, everyone does it. So. so I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Um, I, I uh, So whenever I do sort of in-person public speaking, I'll typically have a marker pen or something in my hand that I'm twiddling with. Yeah. I'm not sure what the, the, the sort of racket, I think in my head it helps just keep, this is just my sort of personal interpretation is, there's a part of my brain sometimes that needs to be distracted. Mm. Um, I, I liken it to the, the excitable dog that always wants to go for a walk and wants to stick his head out the window. With that, that part of my brain that sometimes I just need to distract it um, yeah. to, to focus on tasks. And whether it's, you know, twid, twiddling a, a marker pen, yeah. um, holding saying that for me helps occupy that brain. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, but again, I... I you know, I wouldn't bat an eyelid if someone in, in, in the workplace wants to do that because yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't even question it personally. I would just be like, yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just embrace it. We could make these toys more available for people, invest in them, you can go and get them. Um, could be quite could be quite useful. Then and, and I can't believe as well, we've got all the way through this pod without talking about running as well. <laughs> um Simon, as part of your kind of um the things that you obviously do you're really into running i'm injured at the moment i'm just about to yeah. go back to running and mike's the biggest running fanatic that i know as well so i can't believe we've got all the way to the end of the pod nicole i'm not sure do you enjoy going no, not a runner i'm afraid no not a runner. no um but you know we talk about the kind of superpowers simon yeah you can go and do runs that i couldn't even consider and i wonder if that's partly because of the way that my yeah. brain works i don't know so so yes yeah. so so for, so I'm, I'm for me that's the hyper hyperactivity part of of adhd but that is an external manifestation of internal restlessness if that makes sense so so um and the impulsivity so so it's not just running and, and by no means am i an athlete i want to make that clear i know people can only see my head but i'm by no means i'm a middle-aged <laughs> Odd, um, and it's more mental than it is physical but but it's a combination of that internal restlessness and that impulsivity um and and um i am proud of it i've i've, I've accomplished i think some incredible things i'm not particularly fast but um you know um just to close if i don't mind because you've, you've opened this can now jonathan <laughs> i'm proud of it but, but, we're, just, but... we're just getting into the second half an hour of the pod now <laughs> talking about running just very quickly is, is the um the impulsivity so there was a couple of hours um i think it's the first or second of january when i said what do i want to accomplish this year on a personal level not professional and within an hour or two i had committed on very specific days i'd signed up uh, to a hundred thousand steps in 24 hours a virtual marathon a 15 <laughs> swim um a 50k um ultra a 100 mile bike ride I have no idea and I have no desire to create any kind of training plan. I just know that I'm going to do those. Impulsivity meant I put those dates in the diary and I will work it out along the way um, and I'll have lots of fun um, and, and, and that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's an external manifestation of internal restlessness and um, uh, impulsivity, yes. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow, Mike, is there going to be a one-upmanship in terms of what? Definitely not. Uh, definitely not. I, I, you're definitely an athlete, Simon. If you if they you've got all of these plans, uh, I I can't compete with that. So. Wow, wow, and I'm I'm just in awe because I'm struggling to do a park run at the moment. It's a five k, so um, right. Thank you. I just want to say a massive thank you, Simon, for suggesting the subject and for coming on. I think it's been exceptionally informative for me and I hope it's been useful for the listeners, the watchers. Nicole, thank you for sharing your insight. Mike, thank you for being here. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you found this useful. If you have found it useful, um, please do like, share uh, the podcast. if any of you have ideas for future podcasts please do get in contact with us Uh, our email address is babrew at assistkd.com thank you